Hey folks, and welcome to MLR Kickoff. And right off the top of the show, we have an alert man down, the professor, Pete Steinberg. He is with Elon Musk in the bunkers of Tesla, trying to negotiate a takeover for Twitter. He will be joining us shortly. We've got a, a brilliant show coming up when the professor gets in here. He gets to sit down with the Star Insight Center for the Los Angeles Guiltinis, Billy Meeks. We'll dive into all the action from last week, plus the game's coming up this week. It was a great week. We are getting very, very close to the, the end of the season here. Just three rounds remain in Major League Rugby for 2022. There'll be three weeks of playoffs. Just remember that. We have added the extra week in. So there'll be the play-in week where two will host three, the conference championships, where one will host the winner of that game, and then the big dance happening. Stats boy, what's, we don't have a concrete date this year for the championship, do we? Could be Saturday, could be Sunday. We're not sure yet. There's still some stuff to work out on the East Coast, West Coast, but obviously stay tuned to MLR Kickoff. We will keep you in the know as soon as we know. And we know because Aaron Castro knows. All right, let's not stand on ceremony any longer. Let's bring him in. What a performance it was on the weekend from this guy, him and Barnonu. They went at it hammer and tongs for 80 minutes. San Diego got the win. This guy was one of the absolute stars on the field on the weekend. He's had a great year backing up off his inaugural year in 2021. Let's welcome in Billy Meeks. Well, welcome Billy Meeks to MLR Kickoff. Thank you for joining us. No worries, thanks for having me guys. Good to be here. Now, you know, a great game against San Diego this past weekend, but I want to go back. I mean, you're someone, you've played Australian Sevens, you've played Super Rugby, you've played in Europe. What brought you to LA? What was the attraction that brought you to the Giltinis? Uh, well, look, it was probably a number of things. Um, you know, initially, it was probably two and a half years ago now, I sat down with Gilly um, in my hometown in Manly in Sydney, Australia, and he sort of explained to me what his vision was for the for the club, the LA Giltinis, and um, sort of his ideas around what he wanted to do for years to come. And I think initially for me to be a part of a team from the very beginning was probably um, one of the big sells. Um, I'm a big believer in team culture and I feel like I've sort of played enough years and around the world now to, to get a good grip on what I think a, a team culture should look like. Um, and I kind of I wanted to be at the forefront of that in this team from the very beginning. I wanted to learn what it, what it sort of looks like to be a part of a team from the very beginning. Um, obviously... Besides that, I started to get whispers around what kind of roster that we'd be starting to put together. And there's a couple of guys in there in particular, um, Matt Gitto and Adam Ashley Cooper, that uh, I'd never actually got to play with. I, I knew them both personally, um, just sort of from around, but obviously grew up watching them. They were idols for me. And then when I heard they were coming, it was it was a no-brainer for me to come and learn off them. Uh, and then obviously the, the, the cream on top is to be able to play rugby and live in LA and live down in Venice on the beach and sort of, um, yeah, the relaxed lifestyle over here. And I think sort of to cap it all off, um, just another learning experience. I've, I've sort of said on podcast before, for me in my career, uh, my growth has come from change and whenever I've sort of put myself in a different environment and challenged myself to, to sort of adapt to wherever I am, that's where I've, I've grown the most. So um, it's been no different here. I've sort of found myself getting better and better and, um, yeah, that's probably the main reasons I came over here. I could go on and on, honestly. It's it's been that it's been so much fun. But yeah, that's probably where I'm at. 
Well, I, I want to come back to living on Venice Beach, and we'll certainly hit that before the end. But I do. I think that the concept of culture and, and um, starting from the beginning, and I think um, you know, you've talked about that before, and Dave Dennis talked about how special the culture culture was with the Giltinis last year. Can mm-hmm. you can you talk about like what happened that made it so great? Because everyone that played on that team just says it was just really phenomenal. Can you talk a little bit about why you think the culture last year at the Giltinis in their first year was so good? Yeah, it was a it was sort of a collective of things. Um, first and foremost, I don't know how they did it, but Adam Fryer, Gilly, um, DC, Hoylesey, the coaching staff last year somehow put together a squad of just no egos and people that are there for the right reasons. Um, you know, on paper, maybe it could look like people are there to sort of just come in and enjoy the lifestyle and not sort of dig into to what we're about on the field. But it was the complete opposite. Um, everyone was there for the collective goal of winning. Um, and obviously, a big part of winning is, is enjoying your footy, enjoying your, your life outside footy as well. So um, the recruitment was an unbelievable job from um, that collective group. And then sort of just a snowball effect of how the year panned out, obviously, with COVID. We were fortunate enough to spend sort of four or five weeks together as a group in Maui um, for our pre-season camp, which, um, you know, you can't put a price on that experience, spending it away from, you know, it's tough with guys from, with families and stuff like that. But to be able to be in the one spot for five weeks with the people, like none of us had met each other before besides Zoom calls. Um, right. We never played together. We didn't even know what our attack shape looked like, our defensive structures. So five weeks on the ground, training day in, day out, getting on the beers together on the weekends, doing lots of social stuff and team building stuff. So that was probably the the core of um, where our team culture came from. And then um, credit to Dave Dennis, he created a um, he created an environment where, and he, and he says this often, where he, he wants everyone to be themselves and come into work and just be exactly who they want to be, regardless of what that looks like. And as long as when we get on the field, we're all buying into what we're, um, we, we've agreed on as a group, then um, he sees no reason why you can't be yourself um, wholeheartedly. So, yeah, so it's a number of things. And then probably probably the, the other side of it is we just have a whole heap of fun. Um, you know, it's when, we, when we're at training, we're, we're, you know, we're hard hats on and we're going hard and we're, we're fully focused on what's going on. But then the luxury of being where we are on the coast in LA is uh, we can go down the beach together as a group. We can go down the pub, have a beer. Uh, we can go for, you know, get brekkie groups, go for coffees and stuff like that. So, um, you know, teams that I've been in in the past, it's a weird one. You sort of, you organise a social event and you sort of make the, make it not compulsory and you you get maybe 50, 60% of the squad there. And, you know, that's no disrespect to the guys that aren't there, but it's just everyone's got other stuff going on. But here we organise stuff and without a doubt, it's 100% of the boys are there and it's, it's sort of weird if you're not there um, because you want to be there. So... Yeah, we've, we've been really lucky with our team culture and the players that we've got. And, um, yeah, it's been no different this year. It's just as enjoyable. And, um, yeah, we're having a great time. Now, let's talk about last year. In overall season for the Giltinis and you won the championship. Like, 20 years from now, when you look back, what are you going to remember about that initial year for the Giltinis? What's a, what's a, what are a couple of memories that are going to stand out for you? Well, I'll start off by telling you what I won't remember, and that's two nights in Vegas after the final. <laughs> I won't be remembering that. Um, Is that because you can't remember it now, or you're just you're like it's just like I'm not sure what happened. We went to Vegas. I've erased it. I mean, 
I was on Vegas State, and yeah, it's been yeah, a race. Okay, yeah. there you go. Um, no, look, probably there's there's probably a couple of things, and the, the first thing is probably that preseason camp in Maui. Actually, probably before that, we had a couple of Zoom calls where we were all scattered around in the world, and I was I was in at London Irish at the time playing in the Prem, and I remember we'd have these Zoom calls. I'd come home from training at London Irish, and I'd get on the Zoom, and we'd do these sort of player intro videos where you. would I'd tell a little bit about myself and then I'd nominate someone and we'd scull a drink or we'd, you know, just tell a story about ourselves. And it was this really interesting way of connecting with people that you'd never met, but you sort of learned a little bit more about their story, why they're coming to LA, where they've been. And I, I really found that um, exercise quite powerful. Um, and I sort of made, when I got to Maui eventually, meeting the guys, like I felt like I knew them already. I really, I really enjoyed that sort of period of uncertainty around covid um, funnily enough that it sort of brought us all together in a weird way and then that Maui camp is something that I will never forget the stuff that we got to do um, living right on the beach there and just the camaraderie we built as a, as a team was really really special um, and then probably you know I touched on it earlier but getting to play with the likes of Matt Gitto and Adam Ashley Cooper um, was was just so such a big impact on my game personally. Um, it, it drove me to be better every single day. I was just like a kid in a candy store asking questions at training. Um, I'd often find myself just watching those two go about their work, doing their extras and the way they carried themselves around around the facility. And that was really, really special. Um, and then obviously just that whole final series, like we, we had a great year um, leading into it and we were, we were sort of clear front runners um, heading into the back end of the season. And, I hadn't been in that position before. You know, you can go your whole career without winning things, which is quite quite common because obviously it's quite hard to win competitions. Um, and to feel that pressure leading into the semis and the final um, was quite a unique feeling. And guys that have won competitions before uh, in our team sort of spoke about the euphoric feeling that you get when you win a comp, when you win a tournament, and it's something that you actually can't quite explain unless you've done it. So. I really enjoyed the emotional build-up and the emotional ride into the final series. Um, obviously, we had a bit of a shaky one in the semi there. And once we got through that, it was it was just there was no way we were losing that final because we sort of we felt like what it could possibly feel like to lose in that semi. Um, and then, right. yeah, the home final, um, given everything that we'd been through in pre-season, our first year in the competition, the bonds that we'd built, the culture that we'd formed, it sort of was just like this euphoric week, everything, we didn't really train that much. It was just putting the final touches on. Everyone was just building the emotion. DC was really good around keeping us level-headed, but also saying buy into everything that's happening around you. Um, and then the game sort of just, it, we were just in flow. It was one of those games that everything sort of went right for us. Um, obviously had Matt Gitto just pulling the strings and leading the boys around. But that, that sort of three-week build-up to the final was probably one of the coolest experiences I've had on the rugby field. That's great. That's great. Now, last year you were sort of introduced to the American um, rugby landscape, right? And we learned about you. And we learned that you're a versatile player, right? You can play a little bit of flanker, right? You're, 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 you're a physical player that can pass, right? What, what, how would you describe yourself as a rugby player? If someone said, like, you know, what kind of player are you, Billy? How would you describe yourself? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably answer it differently um, throughout my play, playing career. I've definitely gone through different stages. Um, now I'd probably like to think that 
um, I'm a bit more of a student of the game. I, I really enjoy sort of analysing oppositions and having a say in what we're doing uh, in our attacking patterns. And I sort of really, really enjoy that challenge now. I'd probably say earlier on in my career, all I wanted to do is just run into people and tackle people. And that was something that I just loved, the physical side of it, which is, is no different to now. But um, now I sort of, I really, you know, I really enjoy high pressure moments. I like looking at, you know, a back line in front of me and trying to break down what I'm seeing and trying to pull that apart. Um, but yeah, I mean, recent years I've become versatile as I've been thrown in the deep end in the back row, which is, which has been, um, you know, a really cool learning experience. And, and I'm really hoping that I don't see too much more of that. But um, yeah, probably probably someone that's obsessed obsessed with the, uh, the the finer details of the game and um, you know trying to trying to make those around me better as well. You know, one of the things that, that, that you do, Billy, is that you're a phenomenal player around the breakdown, which I think is probably why, like, you know, DC was like, I think you can play seven because you're really good around the breakdown. Is that an area of the game that you were always good at, that you were naturally good at, has been an area that you've focused on? Because you're probably one of the, I mean, you're almost certainly one of the best backs in the league. Um, at that breakdown, poaching the ball, clearing out. And you might be one of the best players, even though you're not a seven. Is that something that's always been good for you? Uh, not, not always. I remember when I went to uh, Gloucester, when I was quite young, um, in my second year there, Laurie Fisher took over as head coach. Um, and he's sort of, uh-huh. sort of yeah. world-renowned. His expertise, right? Director. Yeah. And I remember he said to me, you know, because I always enjoyed the breakdown. I wasn't very good technically, but he said to me, he's like, this is a this is a string to your bow that you can add if you really work hard at it. And I remember he just hounded me twice a week, every single week we do a specific breakdown session. Um, and it became a part of my game that I was just obsessed with and so confident with. And then it's almost just adding another layer. You know, you become someone that enjoys the tough stuff, can distribute the ball, understands the game well and then if the ball lands at your feet you can try and turn it over so um spending a couple of years with him was um you know pivotal in that sort of breakdown transition for me and it's it's obviously something that i try and use as a bit of a power for me now yeah i got a chance to um uh, shadow laurie at the brumbies oh, okay. uh, so much and you're absolutely right it's just like it's you're like how does he even like the the the, the detail yeah. That he talks about at, the, at that is like, you know, I thought people kind of came in and like foot position and hip yeah. angles and knee. It's like, it's like really, really phenomenal. And I can see, I can see actually, as soon as you said it, I was like, Laurie Fisher, I'm like, yeah, you look like a guy that's been trained yeah. by, yeah, very by, uh, by Laurie. So, yeah. So, so let's talk about this season. So, you know, last season, Giltini's came out, like blew everyone away had a little bit of a dip, as you said, it was pretty close. This season's been a bit more of a struggle, been, been a little bit close, particularly, you know, you talked about coming over because you wanted to play next to Matt Giddo. 10's been a bit of a revolving door, right, for you guys. There's been lots yep. of injuries. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like as a the experience 12, like the solid center of that back line, what you can do, whether it's to, like, Goddard or to um, – but Burton, like to your 10, what's your role to help them? Um, especially Harrison, when he comes in and starts playing 10, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got to provide a lot of support to that, right? So talk a little bit about what your role is as the 12 in that situation. Yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's a, it's a tough one. I, um, you know, I've been, I've been speaking to Gitz a lot about it because 
it's it's usually something that I don't um, think about too often. I'm obviously usually just worried about sort of what I'm doing in the centre and what's outside me. But um, yeah, we've we've um, obviously had to test a few people in that position this year. We've been lucky, obviously. Burton's very comfortable there. Um, we had Irene Ie, our, our coach, stepping in there at 42 years old, who did a who did a wonderful job. And then um, Harrison Goddard's there now. I'm probably it's probably something that I need to work on a little bit more, to be honest. I think it's probably a part of my game that I've neglected a little bit and just sort of um, left them alone a bit. Uh, and that's probably probably a compliment to those guys that I trust that they they know exactly what's going on um, and and they do so. Um, yeah, there's probably some intricate stuff around our exits and what we're doing inside our own half that I could help those boys out. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm trying to just give them as much communication as I can and provide them as many options as, as they have outside them. And probably the main thing is just just provide them as much confidence as possible and a voice outside them that um, is always there with options. But those boys are doing a great job. I think... Um, I think Luke Cardi's not far off for us, who's obviously an, also an awesome 10. And then, um, yeah, I don't know how far off Gitz is either. So hopefully um, it's coming to the pointy end season now. We've got a few more fresh bodies coming in. So let's let's talk about, um, Arani, how we stepped in. Um, how was the first conditioning run with him <laughs> when he stepped in? <laughs> well, Ren's credit to him. He's 42, but he looks 32. He's um, He's always been someone that's in shape. Uh, right, he trains with us. But often. still, there's a difference, right? There I is mean, there a, difference. a difference, right, between between think, doing the conditioning work. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think he sort of got the tap on the shoulder as as we started to get into the season. There might be a chance, so he definitely was working extremely hard behind the scenes. Um, and he actually, I don't know if you remember, but he played in our trial game against San Diego for the last ten minutes, and it was sort of like a bit of a. Let's just see how he goes and see what happens. And he he beat about seven defenders and scored a try and picked <laughs> three goals. And we were all like, "Of course he, of course he." Did. So um, he did a hell of a job for us. He is an unbelievable yeah, he talent. Did. You know, he's also someone that I grew up watching, and he's just such an amazing talent. And to be able to have him throw him in and, and do the job that he did was was nothing short of amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's talk about here you are. Um, you know, you had a, a great win, right, against Austin, and then a close loss against San Diego. I mean, this this thing is in is in the balance, right? Um, you've got what three games to go, four points behind the Giltinis. Talk a little bit about what it's like, you know, when you because you were all you know chasing San Diego most of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Weren't quite able to catch up. Um, talk a little bit what it's like in this um, part of the season to like have those these close wins and close losses, and how this team culture that you've talked about how how that helps the team handle both those ups and downs. Yeah, this is a um, it's a really exciting part of the year. This is sort of why you why you play. Um, you know, we we put ourselves in a position to to be in the playoffs and. The next three weeks for a lot of teams is is crunch time. Obviously, you mentioned San Diego on the weekend. That was that was a really close game, a tough battle. You know, hungry wolf hunts the hardest, and those boys those boys needed to win that game to to stay in the playoff run. So, and they definitely played like that. So, 
Um, I think all of us really enjoyed that battle. We probably shot ourselves in the foot a little bit early on in that first half, giving away too many penalties. And when you've got a class kicker like Peterson, he's, he's going to punish you. So, yeah. yeah, they probably just built up a bit of a lead that we couldn't quite chase down. So um, there's certainly parts of that game we were happy with. But, um, you know, obviously we didn't get the result. But two points on the road for us at this at this stage of the season, um, you know, might be all the difference for us. So I think for us going into the last three games, we got to worry about is week by week. You know, if we can go to Dallas this weekend and do a job, then that puts us in a good position to to finish off the last two games. You know, I don't think anyone's really got an easy run going into the finals. Um, it's a bit of a different one, one this year with the with the way it works. You know, if you finish top spot, you get a week off in second and third place. So there's a bit of a carrot being dangled there for for the other teams as well. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I think. I think for us, it's it's probably about licking our wounds. We've got a we've got a six day turnaround into this weekend, so you know we'll take some learnings from the San Diego game and try and fly into Dallas with you know a really disciplined disciplined uh, performance and try and just try and shape our game the way we want to play the next three weeks. I think um, you know if you if you don't know how you want to play now, then then you'll never know. So um, we've got to figure out what what works best for us, and we've got to be really disciplined around how we're playing and. Um, as I said, this is this is where it gets exciting. This is where you start waking up in the morning, getting really excited to go to training, and you start analysing, you know, where what are we going to do this weekend? How are we going to beat this team? And you know, if we win this game, then we get to do this. You know, this is where it actually gets starts to get really exciting. So next few weeks is going to be awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's exciting as a fan. I'm sure it's exciting as a player. You know, you said right early on when we said, why did you come to um, LA? You talked about the lifestyle and living on Venice Beach. Let's, let's spend a little bit of time talking about that. So um, what's like, what are some of your favorite things to do in LA at Venice Beach? What's, what's your go-to when you've got a day off, something that, that, that you really enjoy doing? Um, oh, geez, I've got a few things. A, a usual day off for me, I, I usually go down to, as soon as I move to this side of the, side of the, um, the beach. I'm in Santa Monica now, but uh, as soon as I moved, I, I became a member at Gold's Gym, just purely because it's Gold's Gym. Um, I only go there maybe once or twice a week, but I had to get down there just in the off chance I might see Arnie training. Um, but I, yeah, I go down there on my off days, you know, have a stretch, bit of movement, sit on a bike for 20 minutes. Um, you know, it's a great scene down there. And then, you know, I'll often drive up to Luke Burton, lives down the road from me. We'll drive up to Malibu and it's a 15, 20 minute drive for us. We'll sit on the beach there, grab a coffee. And it's just such a beautiful part of the world. And every time we go out there, we just sort of pinch ourselves that we actually get to live here and play rugby. Um, and then I suppose, you know, the other stuff that we like to do is just embrace ourselves in the, in the sport that's around LA. You know, we've got the basketball, the hockey, the baseball, uh, the football. So it's just an abundance of spoil for choice of you know what you want to do of an evening. So um, yeah, this this part of this part of town is it's got a big place in my heart. I'm loving it. That's awesome. And and what's your favorite restaurant? Like like do you have do you have somewhere that you know has become a regular place where they're like Billy when they walk in? <laughs> well, a friend of mine from back home actually owns a cafe uh, down in Venice called Great White. Um, which if you've been to Venice, you've probably been to Great White. Hands down, best coffee, hands down, best breakfast. And it's in an A1 location right under the Venice sign there near the beach. So for anyone listening that hasn't been there, do yourself a favor. Great yeah, White. there you go. Yeah. Get yourself a, a, a world-class coffee. Support friends. Yeah. Yeah. 
great great exactly. work well look look billy um thank you so much for coming to the us i think you've added so much value to the league um thank you're just you. such a wonderful player to watch i think you're a great a great role model for young americans particularly in the centers with with your full skill set i think that's great and we really appreciate you spending time today with mlr kickoff oh of course thanks so much appreciate the kind words and Billy Mix, what a game he had on the weekend too, Pete. Him and Marnonu, one of the great inside centre battles uh, this season. And brilliant interview, mate. Great to have you. A little late to the show today, but I give you a pass because look at look at what you are wearing. You are you are business, Pete. Today, I'll do a quick rundown. How, how yeah. are you doing, mate? Well, welcome in. Thank you, thank you. Doing um, a little tired, running a huge program for a client that's running a week. And I'm like, I'm always like, what day is it today? And they're like, Tuesday. I'm like, it can't be Tuesday. I have to be here till Saturday. So, yeah. but, but did, um, did manage to catch up. I mean, that was, uh, what a great late game with San Diego and LA. I mean, I mean, I mean, what a win for San Diego. And I, I like, I just want to say great interview with Billy Meeks, such a smart guy. Um, I think one of the best all round rugby players in the league, um, and had a great game matched up. I mean, a little bit better than Monono. Is that okay to say that? A little bit better. You said it. You said it. So, did, did <laughs> um, he wish you? Did he wish you happy birthday? He did not. No, happy he did not wish page. me happy birthday. It was my birthday yesterday. Thank you. Yesterday. And uh, um, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so great. Really, um, you know, that was a great game. Uh, um, big win for San Diego. Keeps them in the hunt. They don't control their destiny, but it keeps them in the hunt. And the top of that, top of the West is, uh, is, is going to be interesting. Just for my own gray hair and stress levels, I kind of wanted LA to win that game because it effectively would have ruled San Diego out. But now you've got to continue yeah. to wait and see what's going to happen. And um, like you said, though, they do not control their destiny. They sit at home round 18 with a bye, which makes it incredibly difficult. They had to come away with 10 points the next two weeks like maximum maximum and uh it's that's gonna be a tall order you know it, it, it's gonna be interesting and and you know we're, we're not gonna jump ahead but there are some really interesting games like when you're on a buy there are some really interesting games that you're watching that you're like all right they are rooting one way or the other on these games coming up this weekend well it has to be that their round 18 has to be houston Austin. They need Austin to win that game to have any chance in Houston just to fall out of the top three. But Houston go right. old glory Seattle, which that Seattle Houston game, wow, it's going to be spicy in round 17 too. That could actually decide but third place. That That's true. But I'm even looking at up this, this weekend upcoming, right? So Houston's at um, DC. Yeah. yeah DC being a much Houston, improved side. Yeah. A much improved side. You know, and and Houston have been playing very well lately, but you know they, they don't score a lot of points, right? Which means that you know if you don't score a lot of points and your lineup doesn't function very well, or you get on the wrong side of the referee, it gives any team a chance to come up on you. So so I, I like I'd be very careful if I was Houston to not look past that. But you know, there's there's a num- like I think every game this weekend has playoff implications, right? Like every game. So you got to look at it. It's going to make it a really interesting weekend. All right, let's run through it real quick, okay? And let's look at all the playoff implications. So we'll spend a bit more time on this than we normally do. Uh, Thursday, well, Aaron Castro has outdone himself yet again. I asked for Friday Night Footy. Not only does he 
Give me Friday night footy last week. He goes down. I'll do you one better. I'll give you a game Thursday so you don't have to wait. Thank you, Stats Boy. Thursday night, New England on the road at Toronto. 7 o'clock kickoff for this one. Playoff implications. Toronto absolutely have to win. Bonus point. Any chance to sneak in. They're, they're at a very, very long, long odd now to do that. But what do you think here, Pete? I mean, I, um, it, it used to be that going to Toronto was a tough place to play, but it doesn't appear like that this year. I think, I think Toronto are actually in, you know, have started a bit of a rebuild. Like the team that, that really, um, you know, was around for the first what, three years of the franchise. I think, I think we're going to see that team moving on and I think we're going to see a bit of turnover. Um, I don't think, I, like, I can't see Toronto right now I don't think they've got like like the way that you beat them is you beat them is you beat the the free jacks in the scrum and the line out and you just starve them of possession. I just don't think they're going to do that. I think free jacks get what is it down eleven games in a row. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. If they haven't I mean, one I mean, loss I mean, all I mean, year. If I'm a coach, yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm a coach, um, I'm I, I want to lose the game, New England. Not really, but. Yeah. It's hard yeah, going into the yeah. game on a winning streak because like, like, then there's a huge amount of pressure on you. I don't really want to lose a game, but it would be like, as a fan of New, of New England, I'd be like, let's, let's lose a game, let's reset ourselves, let's not get ahead of ourselves and then get, then get ready for the playoffs. And, and realistically, you know, they've got some tough games. Obviously, Toronto, they play New York in the last round as well. Um, they are currently nine points ahead of New York. So... New York can somehow scrape 15 out. That would put them up 62 points. So they are six points yeah, away I, I, from yeah, locking up yeah, the number exactly. one seed. I, I, I think they're going to be the number one seed. They're, they're going to be yeah. looking after players. Like, I don't know that we're going to see Bowden Wacker this weekend because he's been pretty beaten up the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, yeah, so I think they're going to be resting players. But still, I think like, you put those players on the bench because they could play, but you just don't want them to play 80. Um, and I think it's about management, but I'm still going to go with New England in this game because I just don't think Tom, Toronto have the firepower. I don't know, Jamie McKenzie. Jamie McKenzie. I know. I saw that. Is he going to commentate clouds. and play? Is he going to commentate and play? I, I think they did that in Australia at a tournament. And Drew Mitchell was. Ta- I don't know if you've ever seen that. He's like literally got like tape on the side of his head to hold in a mic, uh, a headpiece, and a microphone. And he was mic'd up so he could hear and play at the same time. And um, right. A lot of heavy breathing, so you, you know, as, as to be expected. <laughs> yeah, so. I say, that's not, yeah. Hey, I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't call him up a little bit earlier with uh, with all the challenges that they had. But um, he, wow. he's going to be good. Like, like, like you played last year. You can definitely play this year. Probably can't play eighty minutes, um, but you know, he's a quality player. So a week of practice, and and he'll be good to go. Well, you know how nice it is in that air conditioned box, sitting up there. You get the best seat in the house. You get to watch the game. When we were in person, you actually got to be at the field and do all that yeah. stuff. And then you'd have to wake up the next morning sore. It was like, this is the perfect snow. I should have been doing Dan, this my whole life. Dan, Dan, both of us would be like, well, I actually don't know. I'm, I'm like, with my birthday, I turned 51. You know. Congrats. But, but I would like the opportunity to step back on and play competitive rugby for one more game. You'd do it? I mean, I wouldn't do it at 51. If, if I was 25 again, I'd do it. Um, there you go, Bill Webb. Not- they need a scrum half too, apparently, up in Toronto. <laughs> Pete's got one in him. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. We, right. we would mic right. you up too. Well, just, just, just wait till I'm an assistant coach for the team, and and they've got like I'll do uh, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll do the assistant coach coming off the bench. We've seen that a couple of times in MLR this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rennie Ie, he'll be filthy that you break his record for oldest player in MLR history. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Another big game. This one for the Sabercats at Old Glory. Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern. I think Houston can really go a long way to locking up that third seed. As you look at the table on the West Coast, they are currently five points ahead of San Diego. San Diego can only accrue a possible 10 points, as can Seattle. They can only land on 47 or 46, respective. So a bonus point win in this game puts Houston at 47, which means they are practically guaranteed a playoff spot with a win here, and they just have to get one point in their remaining two games against Seattle and Austin, which, again, you never say never, but it looks likely. But this is a season here for the Sabercats. They have to win this game with, with a bonus point. So, so, so recognize, like, they don't actually have to win this game. because they've I know, but they I really win. feel they like to you win. want to. Right. I think, I think if they win this game, they can take a breath. If they lose this game, then they're looking over their shoulder, right? And so it's really and, – and also, this goes back to a little bit, like, this is a long season. Um, Houston have some older players. If they win this game, then they can start managing their squad and preparing for the playoffs. If they lose this game, then you're pretty much committed to playing your best team for the rest of the season. Right. And I think that's, that's where it's at. I, you know, this old glory team, this is a good team. They're playing well. I mean, I know they've got some availability issues like Fernando Schultz is out. Um, you know, they have some injuries, so it depends a little bit, but I'm, I'm Houston. I, I don't look past this old glory team, the way they've played for the last couple of weeks. I think this is going to be a really, really good game. Um, I think Houston still pull it off because I think they've got a little bit too much quality. I don't know if they get the bonus point. Here's I, the crazy I, I would see them. LA losing to San Diego actually leaves the door slightly jar for Houston to jump into second place and host the semifinal against LA. They're two points back. Now LA played Dallas this weekend, which as most of you know, is probably better than a buy because uh, you get to get a training run in and, and get five points. But Houston get a five-point bonus point here, takes them up to 47. LA do the same at 49. LA have some tough games on the road against Seattle. They have another tough game. Where's that other one I saw in there? I think they played Dallas. They have a buy in there too. They may have a buy as well. LA, yeah, LA play Seattle the last game of the season, right? So, yeah. so Houston's goal, right, is, is um, you know, Houston are playing the uh, Gilgronies the last weekend oh, of the season. They play the Warriors. They play the Warriors, sorry, yeah. the, and then the Seawolves. So that's a pretty generous run. Okay, maybe not Houston, yeah. sorry. Got to yeah. go, carry, go carry away. My apologies. <laughs> All right, moving on. San Diego, can they keep their season alive? They're going to look to be the heartbreak kids this year against Nola Gold, who went on that run last year and just fell short of the playoffs. Does history repeat here for San Diego as they run into Nola at Nola 8 p.m. Saturday night? Yeah, this is a really interesting game because like Nola Gold have had some really nice periods of rugby the last couple of weeks. It looks like they've hit a little bit of, of a purple patch. I mean, but they scored 50 points last week. Um, yeah, this is not an easy one. Like this is where the Legion's like they've still had some injury issues. They're a little bit older. Um, I'm going to go with Nola Gold here, Dan. I think no, like I think Nola Gold might like uh, might put the nail in San Diego's season. Like San Diego, the last two years, you've been like they've lost some games that they should have won early on in the season, and they've put themselves yeah. in a position that they're chasing and they're finding it here, so they can't afford to slip up. But this Nola Gold team's playing pretty well. 
Yeah, they are. They look good on the weekend too in that win. Old Glory came down there. And like we said, Old Glory looked a lot better. They're starting to get some injuries and suspension issues too now in DC, which means that uh, turnaround of form could be running out for the great Old Glory side. All right. Uh, yeah. Oh, geez. You just think San Diego probably have more to play for there. All right. Moving on now. Also, Saturday. Today, it is going to be LA at Dallas, 8 p.m. down there in Dallas, Texas. Pete, this is a good little rebound game here for the, for the for the Giltinis. We get to probably, like you said, rest some players, look at some new faces against this Dallas side, um, and get healthy for their push into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as as I talked with with Billy, like it's been a revolving door at Fly Half. And so you know, um, he mentioned that Luke Cardi is, is getting close. This is probably too early, but Harrison Goddard playing 10, right, has been uh, um, has, has done pretty well. It's really affected them, but maybe this is a chance for them to really, you know, hopefully make a decision about who's going to be able to play 10. You know, I don't know whether Matt Guido is going to be able to come back before the end of the season. I mean, that would be a pretty good late season pickup. Um, maybe this is a good game to get 20 minutes for someone like Guido or Cardi just to get him to play a little bit. But this is the Giltinis all the way. Um, Dallas, you know, um, had some incredible games early, but have really struggled with their depth after their accident. And um, I think are now preparing for next year. Yeah, rumours coming out that Quade Cooper may be on his way to the beaches off Los Angeles to finish out the year. So uh, I'm not sure if they snuck him in before yeah. the deadline or what happened there, but... Uh, Love, I love a good rumor, especially around well, Quaid. Who... Yeah, well, rumors of Danny Cipriani heading to Dallas next year. So I know those are those are a bit more than rumor now, aren't they? Aren't they? What's the uh, what's the tabloid in the UK that says the outrageous stuff? Like the Queen rug- Elizabeth is actually a, a lizard person that controls the world. The, the, the mirror, the male, which I don't want to, I don't want to. Yeah, no, no, no. I think, I, I think the star, the star, the star. Is the that is, yeah, yeah. The sun's, the sun's, yeah. sun's not quite that crazy, but it is a bit crazy. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Danny Cipriani versus Quake Cooper. We've waited oh, for man. years now. We get to see it in MLR. How good would that be? Uh, yeah, we're both going for LA there. Also Saturday, late game. Oh my God. 10 p.m. Eastern in Utah. What's that? An 8 p.m. local kickoff time in Salt Lake City. Uh, weather has turned gorgeous, though, in the Rocky Mountains. So this, this yeah, it gets cold when the sun goes down. down. Gets cold when the yeah, sun goes down. Yeah, but it's light, light jacket weather, baby. Everyone loves a light jacket at the rugby. And uh, Austin. Now, they can't wrap up the number one seed because LA is going to roll Dallas, but they can really put the pressure on LA to finish strong here and potentially not rest players um, in some later games if they get the win here. But this is a tough, tough test. Utah have looked better in, in recent weeks. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, Utah at home is tough. I, just consistency for Utah, right? It's really just about whether they're consistent. Um, this is like a good test for the Gil, the Gil Gronies to see where they are. I think um, Utah are playing well. I think the Gil Gronies pull this off. I think the Gil Gronies have just a little bit too much all over the park, but Utah can definitely hurt them. Um, and I think Utah is still trying to work out what their best combination is. You're like we've already talked about Lance Williams this year, this year, and, and what a great game, um, what a great season he is having. And so definitely have have some weapons. But I think I think the Gil Gronies pulled this one off. Did you say Lance Williams? Yeah, I love that guy. He needs to play for the USA. 
I went on a rant last that? week. I, it's the first time you've I'm said coming. that. Like, like, uh, I'm coming. I, I didn't even know you liked him. I didn't even know you. I still, still a, still a believer, but I'll calm down. Um, next one, game of the week for me. This one, Atlanta at New York. Uh, I think the winner of this is is pretty much going to see themselves in the top three and, and ward off any slight chance of Toronto sneaking up. Loser of this is on the outside looking in. Uh, both in the top three now. Five points separate them. New York in second on 47. Atlanta in third on 42. Uh, this could be a big one. And, and New York jumps up to, you know, again, if, if New England rests some players here and Toronto can upset them, jump up to within striking distance with that game against New England coming up. Uh, what do you think yeah. here, Pete? Well, I actually think this is probably um, whoever wins this gets the uh, home field advantage in the playoffs. Mm. And, um, well you know, uh, yeah. And, and so, because I think these guys are probably going to end up two and three um, or three and two. Um, I, uh, the thing that's really interesting for me is that, like, if you remember last year, Dan, both of these teams were really good defenses, but they were very different, right? So the ATL mm-hmm. was very much sort of like a pressure defense coming square. Um, rugby New York was very much a drift defense, but they were both very good. I think um, uh, Rugby New York are still a good defense. It's not clear to me that Rugby ATL are. They've rested some players recently, and, and it looks like maybe their depth isn't as good as it has been. So I actually think this is New York have been looking better and better in the last few weeks, and I think they're going to take that momentum. Playing Andy Ellis at nine obviously makes makes a, um, a big difference like and they've managed him really well so he stood so he should be fresh um they've got a couple of other all blacks right that they're like bringing into the back three which is that now their back three is absolutely ridiculous so you give them some space i think it's going to be really really difficult so um i think this is uh um, rugby new york and i think um i actually don't know i don't think this is going to be close as long as rugby new york keep their scrums and lineups in place yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Pete. They're on a three-game win streak at the moment in New York. Atlanta, the opposite, on a three-game losing streak. And momentum is a funny old thing, especially at the back end of a season. From Toronto, I'm seven points back from Atlanta. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. If I can get a result against New England and pull up five points, I am cheering on New York as hard as possible for this game. Uh, and this, this, Yeah, I agree. Whoever wins this one, I think, gets a home semi, I think. Uh, it's, it would tie things up. They'd be awesome 47. Who knows if Atlanta win? It'll be close. It'll be fun. I'm going to watch it. You going to watch it? It's the only game on Sunday. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'll watch it. Yeah, damn right. I mean, I might have to look. I might be with. I might be at Jacksonville on the beach with my kids, but I'll be watching it and not paying attention to them in the water like my two-year-old. No, I do, mate. Just put them between the green flag. Right. Green, green means good. Um, red flags means you're going to have to look up periodically, like every 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, just just kidding. Hey, Dan. Don't let him swim. I have to get going. I have to get back to my client. This has been a great catch up with you. I'm really excited about this weekend. And uh, um, it's going to be uh, like, like we are getting in the, in, in the time where all these games matter. And I'm excited to get to watch them. Hey, I wrapped the show, not you. What are you doing? You must be in a hurry. Must be a big client. You go, um, you, you go talk to Tesla and Elon and good luck with the Twitter takeover. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> Will do, Dan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. For the Professor Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty, the entire team here at MLR Kickoff, I'm Dan Power. We will catch you next time.